This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Our life in Christ, it's not sterile, it's not clean, most often it's not convenient, but it's Him who is working in us. And as we trust ourselves to Him according to the working of His mighty power, beloved, we can't even begin today to understand the greatness of what He has before us. Our Heavenly Father is loving and gentle. He's compassionate and merciful. But He's also mighty and powerful. He created the heavens and the earth. He created you and I. He raised Jesus, His only Son, from the dead. Now understand, that's the same power that saved you and I from an eternity in hell. And to go a step further, that power is made available to you by His grace, so that you will be enabled to walk in His ways and do what's pleasing in His sight. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 1, for the conclusion of our message entitled, An Amazing Work. Dynamite. Also, the word dynamic even comes from the same kind of thought and idea. But this morning, I want to back up just a little bit, and I want to look at what I believe is the focus that Paul has and that Paul is trying to drive home to the believers there as he writes to the church of Ephesus and the surrounding churches. As we focus a little bit on that word dunamis, I don't believe that even that word, as powerful as that word, as dynamic as that word is, could even begin to describe all that God desires to make known to us in this passage. And as the Holy Spirit continues to inspire Paul to be able to to write the words, and I believe, yes, even choosing the words that he wrote, Paul writes not just about the power of God, but the greatness of his power. And that word that's translated as greatness actually comes to us from the Greek word megathos, and megathos comes from the root word megas. Now, we ought to know among uh, all people of the earth, really, what the word megas means, shouldn't we? I mean, we hear it all the time. We hear how if you play the lottery, you can win mega millions. If you go to the store, they're having a mega sale. Maybe after church today, you're going to go to the restaurant, and you're going to get mega fries with a mega drink and a mega three patty with extra cheese, super heart attack mega burger. We, above all people, know what mega means. But mega speaks more than just that. Mega has that idea of dealing with not just the form and the size and the measure of an item, but the intensity of that item and and how that item impacts whatever it touches. It's much more than just big. It actually deals with the biggest, the, the mightiest, the strongest, the greatest of all things. So God is demonstrating the overwhelming greatness of this dunamis, this power, this violence, this strength in the greatest of all ways. His power toward us who believe. And as cool and as awesome as that is for us, Paul isn't satisfied even with that descriptive language, I believe because the Spirit of God isn't done yet. Because, again, as the Spirit of God leading him, 
Paul writes not just the greatness of the power at work, he adds another description to it. Remember, he puts on there the exceeding greatness of his power. And with that phrase, the exceeding greatness of his power, here Paul uses a term that's not used anywhere else in all of the New Testament except in the writings of Paul. That exceeding, that word exceeding. Now bear with me just a little bit more here as we look even at the word exceeding. The word translated in your King James Version or your New King James Version as exceeding is translated a little bit different in other translations. The New American Standard says the surpassing greatness. The New Revised Standard says immeasurable greatness. The New Jerusalem Bible says how extraordinarily great it is. And the Weiss New Testament says superabounding greatness. All descriptive of the power, the dynamite, the dynamic of what God is working within us. And the Greek word for exceeding, it comes from the word hupabalon. And I'm going to tell you something in English. It sounds funny to me to be speaking to you about English tenses and all these things because I'm bad at these things, okay? But I can read about them. And, and when I do read about it, it kind of excites me when I see things like this. But the word that Paul is using there, Hooper Balon, is the present active participle of Hooper Balo. Now, doesn't that just blow you away? Doesn't that just excite you to know in? And aren't you ready to go out and just charge onto the world for that? Well, hang on, I'll explain it in a minute. But Hooper Balo, which is the root word, comes from, it is a compound word. And it comes from two Greek words. Hooper, meaning over, and belo, which means to throw. And in essence, what the word means is to throw beyond the mark, to throw over, to throw beyond the mark. And we use phrases like, and actually this is a biblical phrase, going the extra mile. Did you know that Jesus gave us that phrase? We also use other phrases in our language, over the top. And he's just over the top in what he's doing and, and how he's doing it. But in Paul's day, this, this word, hupervelo, it meant to surpass, to excel, to, to go beyond measure. And because there's so much in a word, the Amplified Bible puts it this way. The immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power. Now, you add to all that, remember what I said, it's a present active tense. Well, all that means is that it refers to an action that is currently taking place and or it's repeatedly taking place. It's not a past tense. It's currently active in our lives. When we put it all together, the understanding of not only the dunamis, the power of God, the megathos, the greatness of that power, the hupervelon, the exceeding greatness of that power, when we put it all together, we understand that Paul desires that you and I, that even, yes, the church today would have the eyes of our understanding opened or enlightened in order that we might know and understand what is the immeasurable, surpassing, superabundant, over-the-top, extraordinarily, mightiest, strongest, greatest, most dynamic, explosive, and yes, sometimes violent 
force that God is, was, and continually is working within us. I'm glad I got an amen out of that. Last night, everybody goes, so I'm glad you guys are listening. All that, God is working within you, and Paul has this prayer that says, Lord, let them see this. Let them understand this. That's what my prayer is for you today. That you and I, in the midst of the battles that we face, in the midst of the failures that we face, in the midst of the walls that are before us, that we would understand all that God is working on our behalf. That immeasurable, surpassing, super abundant, over-the-top, extraordinary, mightiest, strongest, greatest, most dynamic, explosive, and yes, sometimes even violent force that God is, was, and continually works within us. Within us. Paul says God is doing all of that to whom? Toward us who believe. We have become now the object of that power. Power of his actions, the power of his plans, the power of, of the very might and essence of God. Those of us who have come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, we who believe that power, I don't want to say that it's at our disposal because that makes it like we control it and we just kind of pull it out and flash it around whenever we want. No, it's the power that God is working in and through us today. It is ours. He says he is working toward those who believe. And beloved, it may sound very exclusive to say that it only works toward those who believe. But that's okay. It's because it is exclusive. Because God is working that in you. He's not working that in the non-believer. He works that toward us who believe. Yet understand that the gospel itself is universal in its invitation, and yet it's very, very exclusive in its benefits. It's a move within the church right now called universalism that, that eventually everybody's going to go to heaven. No, that's not what the Word of God declares. The benefits of salvation are very exclusive to those who believe. The Word's very clear about that. Peter, in his first sermon there on the day of Pentecost, you remember as he stood there after all the events that had happened, he declared the universality of the invitation there in Acts chapter 2. You might want to turn there. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, Peter says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. Whosoever shall call. That's a universal call. And Jesus himself, though, makes a very bold declaration back in John 6.37. Now stay in Acts 2. We'll be back there in a moment. But Jesus himself declared that all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. When we come to Christ in faith, he receives us. He does not cast us out. And in the crowd of people there before Peter on the day of Pentecost, there in chapter 2, we read how they were from all these surrounding nations. It was this call to all of these surrounding nations. There were Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia. They were from Judea and Cappadocia. They were from Pontius and Asia. They were from Phrygia and Pamphylia. They came out of Egypt and parts of Libya. 
from Cyrene, and there were strangers even that came from Rome. It says that there were both Jews as well as proselytes. There were Cretes and Arabians. So the call, the, the invitation was just as it is today, I believe, universal. But the effect of that call is only upon those who believe. So as we stick with this event there in Acts chapter 2, we read in verse 37 how when Peter had finished his message, and again, his, his message was not a seeker-sensitive message, by the way. He spoke about this Jesus whom you crucified. He's the one that you have to have faith in. And as he continued on by the empowering of the Holy Spirit to proclaim the strictness of that message, the power of that message, at the end of it, the people came to him. Verse 37 says that now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to most of the people or to a few of the people who are afar off. Is that what it says, church? It says to all who are far off. It's a universal call. And then he does say, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, without getting into a theological debate of predestination and election and free will and free choice, the one thing I want you to bear in mind here, as this is where we see God is at work throughout the entire creation in a multitude of ways. And when we get back to Ephesians, Paul is speaking to believers, and he's concerned that our eyes would be open to see and to understand that exceeding greatness of that power toward us who believe. That's the exclusiveness of it, to us who believe. The invitation is open, I believe, to the whosoevers, but it's only effectual to the one who comes. And that brings us in the effect of that to the work that God is doing in our lives. This work is the exceeding great power that's at work within us. Paul tells us, according to the working of his mighty power. Beloved, you need to understand that God not only worked in the past, but he continues to work right now, today. And yes, he's going to be working in your life tomorrow too god is at work but i think we need to be perfectly honest with each other some of us don't like the work that god is doing in us right now some of us might be in positions where the work that god is doing is stretching us to the uttermost and we're not very comfortable with that sometimes the work that god does within us isn't pleasurable for the moment or for the season but god is still at work. Stop for a moment. If you're in the midst of that, if you're in the midst of that time of, of tension and struggle and trial and you're not comfortable with what God is doing in your life, I want you to stop for a moment. I want you to take a deep breath and in the midst of all that God is doing and all that's happening in your life, you need to know this. He's not finished yet. Now you can take that a couple of different ways. It may get harder, okay? 
it may get harder. But he is in control. He is in charge. But for some of you, perhaps the worst is over, and now he is going to begin a rebuilding process to make you all that he desires you to be. And you see, when God begins work in an individual, let's admit it, there's a lot of garbage we've got to clear out of the way first before he can really get to the work. So maybe it's just house cleaning time in your life. It is that furnace of getting rid of all the yuck and the gook in order for you to be able to be used in a way that he's designed and purpose. You know, for years I worked in the construction business. I worked both commercial and residential. I worked both new construction as well as remodeling. And I can tell you from experience that both in a physical realm as well as in a spiritual understanding of it, that that new construction, as messy as new construction is, new construction becomes almost sterile compared to remodeling. Because when you remodel, everything is out of whack. At least in new construction, it's, a, it's just a forward-going process. But in reconstruction, there's a tearing down that has to happen first, isn't there? You see, in many of our lives, there's that remodeling process that's going on. And in that tearing down, is it because God doesn't love you? No, it's because he does love you. And he has such a great and glorious plan for you. And if we can just hang in there through that teardown process... Oh, what he has planned for us is so glorious. My wife and I remodeled our house a few years ago. We remodeled not only uh, the bathrooms and the bedrooms, we also went to the living room and the dining room and, and the kitchen. And in essence, there was no part of our house that was left untouched from this whole remodel. I want you to bear with me for a moment as I kind of bring that remodeling into the idea and the thought of what God does in our life. Our house, when we first got it, it was an older house and it was very functional. Everything that we pretty much needed was there. It was, it was a functional house. But from the time that we started the remodeling until the time that we stopped, it was about seven years. And if you'll notice, I didn't say finished because we'll we'll never be finished. We'll, yeah, there's always going to be something there. And that's the way it is with God in your life. I, I just want to encourage you with that word. God will never be finished with you. There will be this continual working. And about the time you think, whew, man, praise God, I've arrived. Uh, he, he says, oh, no, you haven't. Some of the work we knew needed to be done. It was very evident. As a matter of fact, the first work that we knew, as I got out of the shower one day and my foot hit the wall and the wall moved, I knew that there was some evident work that needed to be done. In some of our lives, there's evident work that needs to be done. But you know what? Some of that remodeling was just for our good pleasure. We just wanted to do it to make it more usable and that we might delight in it more. And you know what? God does that in your life, too. You might be very functional as a Christian, but you know what? God doesn't want to leave you as functional. God wants to design you. He has purposed you, and he will form you and make you, if you allow him, to be his delight, his good pleasure. Bear with me as I show you some of these things, because it really is for a purpose. 
Some believers, they get to a point in their life and say, Lord, I've gone through enough. And God says, no, no, you haven't really. You haven't. I've got some more for you, so hang in there. My power is going to be at work with you. And perhaps if people look at your life right now, they might say, you know, you're a mess. Well, join the crowd. We're all a mess, okay? And we're all in process. We're all in progress. But you know what? Those that look from the outside, and even us, looking at our lives many times right now, we do not see the finished product. We don't have the vision for the finished product. But God does. God takes that that is maybe functional, maybe that that is a mess, and in his design, he starts pulling it together to what he designed and purposed it to be. You know what? We took our kitchen and put it where the dining room was, put our dining room and put it where the kitchen was. That was a pretty dramatic change, and for some of you, your lives have been turned upside down as you've come to Christ, or maybe just within the last few years or months, but God is working something more glorious in your life if you allow him to do it. He sees the finished product. He knows what is going on in your life. He is intimately aware of your struggles, but it's his power that's working within you. The dust, the dirt, the mess, the inconvenience, the going to sleep at night smelling drywall mud or fresh paint for months and months on end. Do you think it was worth it to us? Oh, yeah, it was. It was because now we have pretty well close to the finished product in there. It was worth it to us. And I want you to know that it's worth it in your life if you're in the process right now. Understand, it will be worth it. Allow that exceeding greatness of his power to continue working in your life. Our life in Christ, it's not sterile. It's not clean. Most often it's not convenient. But it's him who is working in us. And as we trust ourselves... To him, according to the working of his mighty power. Beloved, we can't even begin today to understand the greatness of what he has before us. During our process, we ran out of resources. We had to stop for a while, but you know what? He never runs out of resources. During our process, we got tired in the middle of it. We just got weary. We had to stop for a while. But you know what? It's his dunamis. It's his power that's at work within you. And it's exceedingly great. And it will never grow tired of doing that in you as long as you allow him to do that and to work with you. We long for an end of it all. Oh, if we could just be finished. But you know what? He has the plans. He has the purpose. He has the designs. He knows the beginning from the end. And he knows the greatness of what his desire is for you. Beloved, that's why Paul wanted us to know. That's why Paul wanted us to understand. Yes, we are a work in progress. But he also understands or wants us to understand. When we read this, it's the exceeding greatness 
of his power that's working toward you who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Beloved, God desires to work a great and awesome work in your life. Are you ready to surrender your will and your plan to his? That's where the big question comes. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David will continue verse by verse through the book of Ephesians next time. Now, we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to TheOpenWord.com and follow the link to The Open Word Facebook page. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on The Open Word, subscribe to our Twitter feed at The Open Word Radio. You can subscribe to The Open Word Podcast at TheOpenWord.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. The Open Word Podcast is always available and completely free. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to the Open Word Podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to TheOpenWord.com and subscribe to the Open Word Podcast. And to become our Facebook friend, follow the Open Word Twitter feed, or to access the archive of messages, log on to TheOpenWord.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next study of Pastor David's teaching through the book of Ephesians. That's next time on The Open Word.